0: Welcome to the Orange Crest Community Church Podcast. Our hope is that this weekly podcast provides both encouragement and challenge as you move forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening. It's good to see everyone. We're, we're in another week in looking at some life acts from the Bible, some of God's uh, ways to help us move forward in life in the right way. So we're looking specifically in the book of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and To start out again, I want to show you a few more life hacks. Life hacks in our culture are shortcuts to help you pull off some of the common tasks of life and to to speed up the process. And so I I keep getting these as emails this week from people here. And so uh, here's my favorite. It's because I have a sweet tooth. So you take raw cookie dough and you put it on the back of a muffin tin and you bake it and that becomes your bowl. So this is a dessert without any utensils, you know, (laughs) brilliant, I think. Now you eat the whole thing, flip it over, eat the whole thing. You know, you got to cook it first, obviously, but isn't that amazing? I love it. We had some uh, thunderstorms and lightning this this week and the power didn't go out, but if the power did go out, here's a life hack. (laughs) Wow, huh? You can light a a crayon, apparently, and it will burn for 30 minutes. Who knew? Kids, do not try this. Hopefully, there's no kids in the room. Do not try this. Parents, make sure if your kid's with you, tell them to don't play with fire. Uh, Third, here's another one. If you get a splinter, if your kid gets a splinter, which is really painful... And it's even more painful for a parent to try to remove a splinter because they're freaking out, you know. And so you can apply a paste of baking soda and water to the wound, and put a band-aid over it. Apparently, after a few hours, it'll push the splinter. It'll push the put push the piece of wood out. Brilliant. (laughs) That would be awesome if it works. Has anybody ever tried that? Okay, we got we got one, two. All right, it works. It works. There you go. Here's some life hacks for long lines. None of us like to stand in line for a long time. So who uh, enjoys sitting in this line? The gas line. Now, who? has anybody here hacked the gas line? Do we have any electric car owners? We got one. I know we got one. The electric, electric car owners, you know, they're smiley people. And we know why. <laughs> Because they drive by every gas station with a, probably a big smile on their face, you know? Don't have to do that anymore. So how about this? Uh, ATM, trying to... Can you hack the ATM? Not steal money. I'm not saying that. <laughs> can you avoid... I mean, some people have just... avoid They avoid cash altogether. So who avoids cash altogether and just uses money apps? Okay. Come on. Be proud of yourself. Okay. It's the wave of the future. Okay, you've hacked that. You've hacked that line. What about this? Does anybody hack the shopping lines? Oh, yeah. Now, how do you do this? You order online, you drive up, and they'll deliver it to your car, right? Does anybody do that? Yeah. Or they deliver it to your door. Who does that? There you go. we got some grocery line hackers. How about this? Does anybody figure out how to hack the in and out line? Let me know if you figure this one out. I'd love to know. Okay. There's no way. You just got to wait patiently, which really segues nicely into our message this morning. We're talking about patience this morning. It's truly really helpful to know where are the shortcuts in life. And we've looked at a handful in this series. Like, what are the things that you can speed up the process from God's Word? What are, the, what are those shortcuts that He's provided? Uh, but it's equally important to know where there are no shortcuts. There, there are some lines in life. This is, the, this is the key idea here. There are some lines in life that you just cannot take cuts, and you can't speed past. Uh, Some lines in life just require patience, and you just need to wait. And so we're going to talk about this issue of patience. We've been looking at shortcuts. Now we're looking at, are there things I can't? Yeah, there, there truly are some areas where you just cannot cut past it. And so this is God's life hack of patience. And you can follow along in your listening guide. Ecclesiastes 7, verse 8. Let's begin with this. It reads, The end of a matter is better than its beginning and patience is better than pride. Now, you may know this proverb in its more recent form, which is you hear people say hindsight is, is twenty twenty. Hindsight is twenty twenty. It's a similar idea. When you get to the end of the matter and you look back, what you will often discover is you'll see the you know you'll see the benefit of hindsight if you had just slowed down everything would have gone so much better. So many times we look back and we just realize, man, I really rushed that. I should have just been patient and slowed down. If I hadn't have been hasty, if I hadn't rushed ahead, if I hadn't reacted, things would have went so much better, but because I didn't choose patience, that thing kind of blew up. That's what this verse is saying. Today, I want to look at three legitimate lines in life that God has established. God has established three legitimate lines for which there are no shortcuts. There are no life hacks for these lines. And we can try in our own pride to take cuts in these lines and to, to step across these lines, but if you do, it will always make matters worse in your life. So again, there's three lines, no cutting, okay? Three lines you can't cut. Here's the first line. It's the results line. You can't cut out of the results line. You, 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 you stand patiently in this line. I think a great example of the, the results line is the area of exercise and fitness. Don't you just want to have the quick results and, and, and find that shortcut to fitness? I mean, yeah. We want those shortcuts, and these fitness companies, they promise to cut the waiting line, and they promise to give you results faster. And so you got videos like this. I, I did this years ago. It's called insanity. It lives up to its name. Two months of craziness. And, you know, forty five minutes for the first month of this intense workout, just constant movement. Mentally, you want to like lose it every day when you're preparing for this thing, and it's forty five minutes for the first month, and next month I think it's like an hour and fifteen minutes or something. It's just crazy. They yeah. cut this in half and they produce something called T twenty five. And it's like the total body workout in twenty five minutes, and so it's the same makers, and it's kind of the same idea. High intensity and, but, but the promise it cut, it cuts down the time length. They're trying to, you know, kind of dangle that shortcut in front of you. But there's even these 10 minute, have you seen these 10 minute workouts now? 10 minutes, yeah. Some of you've seen that, tried that, maybe you've bought that. Sounds pretty good. You know, the, the, kind of the advertisement is, is, give me 10 minutes a day and I'll give you the body you've always dreamed of. I mean, doesn't that sound pretty good? <laughs> 10 minutes a day. Turns out to get the results that you want, you need to give 10 minutes a day, three to four times a day (laughs) to them. And then there's the all-important eating plan that they fail to mention when you purchase that. You actually have to eat wisely. So once again, there's just no shortcut, is there? There's no shortcut to diet and to exercise. So why do people like this overpromise? Well, because people like me want results fast. We want results quickly in life. And if there's a way that we can reduce the time and the pain of exercise and healthy eating, we'll fall for it. It's just, that's how we're wired. We want to skip past or step out of the results line. Now, the focus on results is all across life. It's all across life. We want to see results. People want to see results. If you have a job they're not just paying you to sit there they're paying you to produce something they want to see some results from what they're paying you right now or if you're a parent you're you're not just you're expecting your children to grow up you're training them and you're you're wanting to see the results someday you want to see your your children lead productive lives you're looking for results if you have investments again you're expecting to see returns on your investment now results results aren't bad they're not bad in fact the very first words that god spoke to adam and eve the very first words god spoke to adam and eve were be fruitful and multiply they were results oriented words be fruitful and multiply the problem is that results for us are are unpredictable and they take time so i want to look at a passage that we're going to spend most of our time in this morning it's ecclesiastes 11 verses 1 through 6 it's on the front of your listening guide be up here on the screen as well. It's a great description in the Bible of what it's like to wait in the results line. But it reads like a riddle. So when you read it, and you first read it, it it's confusing at first glance. And so, let me read it to you, and then we're going to unravel it together more slowly. So let's read it. Eleven, Chapter 11, verses 1 through 6. It says, this is from uh, King Solomon. "'Cast your bread upon the waters, for after many days you will find it again.'" Give portions to seven, yes to eight, for you do not know what disaster may come upon the land. If clouds are full of water, they pour rain upon the earth. Whether a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where it falls, there will it lie. Whoever watches the wind will not plant, whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. As you do not know the path of the wind or how the body is formed in a mother's womb, so you cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things. Sow your seed in the morning, and at evening let not your hands be idle, for you do not know which will succeed, whether this or that, or whether both will do equally well. Crystal clear, right? <laughs> okay, let's start from the beginning. Cast your bread upon the waters. Okay, what does that mean? Cast your bread upon the waters. He's not talking about feeding ducks. Okay? <laughs> i fed ducks up at Lake Arrowhead. It's kind of fun with my kids throw the throw the little bread out to the ducks. They come in. It's a lot of fun. He's not talking about that. He's talking about how much effort it takes to get results in life. If you go down to the ocean or you go down to the lake and you throw chunks of bread into the water, what happens is the wind, the current, and the waves will take the bread. It will take it out, right? But what happens after many days, you'll find it again. It'll come back to you. It'll return back to you. Much of that bread will be lost to that lake or to the sea. Uh, some of it will sink. Some of it may get eaten. But some of that bread that you throw out will actually wash back to you on the shore. What he's getting at is this. The point here is this. It just takes a lot of work to see just a little result in life. It takes a lot of work to see little result. It's not in life a one-for-one exchange. That's what we would want, a one-to-one exchange. It's it's really like this. It's it's this much work you put in this much work in life and you get this much results. The longer you live, you realize that. I put in a lot of work, I get I get this much results. It's not a proportional. I put in this much work, I always get this much results. Solomon is actually helping us understand some things about how life works and what is out of our control. Because of the nature of Effort to results and that feeling so disproportionate, it's so easy in life for us to get discouraged and to give up and to lose heart and just to think to ourselves, gosh, I'm putting in all of this work and all of this effort and it's just not paying off. But one thing in life is certain. If you you cast no bread on that water, well, nothing is ever going to come back. You actually have to cast your bread on the water for results to, to be produced. You have to do something in life for results to come. So what do you do? He, he says this, give portions to seven. Yes, to eight. For you don't know what disaster may come upon the land. Well, you and I, we, we know, we know failure will come, but we don't exactly know what failure will look like. We know that there are, there are problems that come up in life. We don't know exactly what they're going to what those problems will be but we do know there are there's setbacks in life. There's difficulty, disaster. What he's saying is look don't let that stop you. Keep giving another portion of your life to the effort. Keep giving. It may be that seven or eight setbacks you know, before there's a breakthrough and you actually see the results of your work. So he says, give seven, give eight. What you don't want to do is you don't want to quit at attempt number four and just give up. What you want to do is you want to learn from the setbacks in life in whatever you're doing in your life. You're all standing in a results oriented line somewhere in life you're putting your life towards some things to work towards relationships towards effort, towards objectives and goals you're putting your life towards some things and you want to learn from the setbacks and not just keep doing you know what would don't don't do what would be foolish if you find wow that was foolish then adjust and stop doing that but expect failure to come up in life that's what he's talking about here the point here is this Keep giving portions to it, realizing that the results are never guaranteed in life. We just don't know what's going to come up. We don't know. Why can't we guarantee any results? He, he follows this with some more uh, examples. He gives two examples because there are some factors in our life that are beyond our control and beyond our understanding. So there's two examples he gives. The first one is the weather. Good example of something we can't control, but we have some understanding of it. What we know is this. If clouds are full of water, they pour rain upon the earth. You want to sound like a wise person? Say that to somebody today. You know, if clouds are full of water, they pour rain upon the earth. Brilliant. Everybody knows that. What would be helpful to know is when those clouds will actually show up. Then, if I were a farmer, I would know when I should plant. Because if I can time... The planting of my crop, when the clouds are overhead, then I can, I can bring in a good harvest. I can produce results. But even with all of our weather forecasting, we just don't know with certainty when it comes to the weather. No one can predict the weather. That's what Solomon, he's using the weather as an example of something that's out of our control, somewhat beyond our understanding. Another example of what we don't know is, is the direction of the future. And so he gives this. Whether a tree falls to the south the south is that way or to the north in the place where it falls there will it lie again try saying that to someone at lunch <laughs> it'll sound like a wise person yeah. amazing brilliant insight right hey it looks like the tree fell to the north well how can you tell well because it's because it's lying to the north whoa <laughs> Brilliant. What would be helpful to know is the direction and the timing before that tree falls. Because if I bought a plot of land with a beautiful tree and I want to build my house right next to that tree, it would be wise and really helpful to know if I should build my house on the the north or the south side. Because after that tree falls and crushes my house, the direction knowledge is a little too late. (laughs) Would have been nice to know that ahead of time. The falling tree... It's really just an image of a larger point that he's making that we just have no idea which direction the future is heading in. You don't know the direction of the future. It'd be nice if you did, but you don't know the direction of the future. Like, will the stock market go, you know, go up in 2019 or will the housing market go up in 2019 or will it go down? Right now, people are saying, oh, it looks like it's going to be going down slowly the, in, in the next couple of years. Well, no one knows for sure. You know when we'll know about 2019 stock market? Well, at the end of 2019, we'll we'll say for sure. Well, here's what the stock market did in 2019. But that information, it's a little too late after it has destroyed your life, after it's destroyed your investments and your efforts. It sure would be helpful to know some of these things in advance. But we just don't know the direction of the future. And so his major point is this. Life is a risk. Life is a big risk. It's the reason why so many people decide to step out of the results line rather than waiting patiently in the results line. It's just the decision. I'm not going to put in any more effort. It's too risky. Sometimes people insist on the ideal conditions before they'll put in the effort in life. So that's this next verse. It says, whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds, will not reap. Basically, if you're looking for the indications that will guarantee your success, you'll never do anything in life. That's what Solomon's saying. You'll never, you'll never go after anything. If you need to have success guaranteed, you won't take the risk. The results line in life is always risky. It's always risky. So why do you get in the line? Well, it's the reason we get in the line is because God runs the universe. He runs the, the results line. He's in charge. So it goes on to say this in verse 5. As you don't know the path of the wind or how the body is formed in a mother's womb, so you cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things. God himself is the one that runs the result line, the results line. And we can risk and invest our lives and just wait patiently for the results because God is larger than all the risks. He's the number one factor. If we do all of our work unto him, we don't need certainty and immediate rewards to work hard because we're working for him and we're trusting him. And so we, 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 we go after things in life and we trust him with the results. And so it continues. It reads the next part. So sow your seed in the morning and at evening. Let not your hands be idle, for you do not know which will succeed, whether this or whether that or whether both will do equally well. So just like a farmer, he's saying, take the risk. Plant your seed in the ground, and you're going to have to know. It might get blown away by the wind, or it might get washed away by the rain. So use your best judgment on the timing, but get out there and sow your seed in the ground. Overall, you have to work hard in all that you do every day. In an evening, you want to get good rest, and you want to get ready for the next day, and you want to work hard again in the next day. You want to be diligent and put your hand to the plow in, in your life. Put put your hand to, to working hard at whatever you do. And what he's saying here is, hey, when it comes to the results line, you've got to get in line, and you've got to be diligent, and you've got to be patient. And that's that's the results line. In life, That's you get in line, you keep working hard, and you be patient, and you wait. You can't take a shortcut out of that line. If you do, it brings disastrous results for you and those attached to you. If you try to shortcut that. Now, what's really interesting about this passage is that, He's using a farming analogy. And most of us aren't farmers. Here's a breakdown of of the U.S. economy. The U.S. economy is is made up of these three sectors. You've got 77% is the service, 22% is the industry or the manufacturing, and then only 1% is the agricultural, the farming sector, okay? Now, what that means is that at most, there might be one person in this room that's familiar with farming. So, do we have anybody in this room that's familiar with farming? I know we have at least one. We have one. Maybe two. Okay, and there's a couple, there are probably a couple hundred people in here, so there's your one percent, okay? Now, because of that, some of these biblical analogies, we just don't understand them. They fly over our head because... When you talk about sowing your seed and watching the wind, we're like, wait, what does that have to do with me? What this means is we're, most of us are consumers who enjoy the services. We enjoy the products, but we don't know the process of how those products came to be. Because we rarely grow what we eat. We rarely assemble what we, what we use. We just forget the process that things just don't appear, do they? No, there's this process. But the process is the line that leads to the product it's it's the it's the line that leads to the product and we as consumers we often you know we want more in life than what we can buy in a store and god didn't set up retail outlets for us just to walk in and walk out of with the life that we've always wanted I want a better life. Well, go to that store. Okay. If there were a store like that, we would walk in that store, pay the cost, and walk out a better person. We want the results without the process. But that's not how God has made life to work. Life is more like farming than it is consuming. You know, for example, you can get fast food these days. You get fast food. You can go through a drive-thru. But you know what? You can't microwave or go through a drive-thru to get a better marriage. You can't drive through your marriage. The whole process hasn't changed on how to build a, a, a marriage from the scripture. Hasn't changed. It just takes time. And you wait patiently in that line. What happens is we often try on God's ways for a little while and it doesn't immediately work. And we say, you know what? I'm done with that. That didn't work. They must be the wrong person for me. So we get out of the results line. and We try to go and find something else. Or you can order products from around the world, and they'll show up tomorrow. Or if you pay even more, they can show up today, as long as you can get to the package before the thief that's following the Amazon uh, delivery driver. You can get your products, you know, today, but Amazon can't help you. Develop godly children. That process of how to raise godly children hasn't changed. God gives it to us in the scripture on how to parent, how to train. And so we get in line and we start diligently working and training our kids. And we work hard in that process and we patiently parent. There's no shortcut. There's no getting out of that line to get that result. There's no shortcut. Relationships, they work the same way. They have a line that we stand in and that line in relationships is called trust. And there's no shortcut for trust. takes time to build it. When you break it, it takes time to rebuild it. It just takes time. And so in all of these areas and more, what Solomon is saying, look, cast your bread upon the water, for after many days you will find it again. Get in line. Patiently advance in life. If you're discouraged about the parts of life that aren't coming together, that's because you live here on planet Earth. It just takes time. So be patient as you, as you wait on God in, this, in that line. Waiting on him to bring results. Here's the next line. You can't take cuts out of this line. The difficult people line. You find this all over the book of Proverbs. Difficult people. There's different kinds of difficult people. Uh, you can do studies on this. Uh, you know, I, I read a study this week about one in five people are difficult. There's earlier studies that I'd heard about. I couldn't find it anymore, maybe because it's not backed up anymore. It was one in three individuals are difficult people. So for the sake of fun, what that means, if if one in three are difficult people, what that would mean is if you were to look to your left (laughs) or if you were to look to your right, chances are high that you're sitting next to a difficult. Now, don't point at them. Don't look at them. But if you're sitting next to somebody and you say, you know what? No, they're not difficult. No, I know them. And you look over here. No, they're not difficult. You know what that means? <laughs> Maybe you're the difficult person. So, what should you do? Well, you can't, you know, what, difficult people, you know, we all at points are difficult people, aren't we? At points, there's patterns of difficult people, but then there's occasional occurrences where we, you know, yeah, I've had a rough time and I'm. Well, what do you do? Do you just get out of that line? Look at Proverbs 15, verse 18. Proverbs 15, 18 reads this. It says, A hot tempered person stirs up dissension. That means conflict. A hot tempered person stirs up conflict. But a patient man calms a quarrel. See, anger tries to get other people to behave. When we get angry, we try to get people to behave. But it almost never has the intended results. Anger almost never has the intended results. Because when we get angry at other people, they don't stop. And so that's not the right response. They become more difficult whenever we get angry. The conflict just stirs up and intensifies, doesn't it, when you get angry? And what's called for is a patient response. So Scripture constantly calls us to choose patience in relationships. That's because difficult people aren't problems that we need to remove, but difficult people are those people that are in need of change. And change is never a quick process it 's never a certain process either it 's a long line it 's a hard line that just requires a lot of patience and so there 's two approaches to standing in the difficult people line. The first approach is this: put up with it aren 't you grateful that people put up with you when you 're being a difficult person? i mean aren 't you think about that aren 't you grateful? It's not easier to put up with other people when we realize what people have walked with us through. And so we can start there and just think, you know, I've I've had my rough patches and I've had seasons where I've been really difficult. And people have put up with me. Look at Proverbs 19.11. Sometimes we need to put up with others. A man's wisdom gives him patience. It is to his glory to overlook an offense. Some difficult people are more irritating than anything. They're more irritating than they are really damaging. So you can put up with them. Now, there may come a time when you need to address a pattern of of offenses, but that's never a good first move. So if you're dealing with a difficult person, it's never a good first move to just confront the situation. It's never the right first move. It's rarely the right first move. What I'm saying is you need to stand in the relationship line long enough to have a voice in their life. You need to be patient for some time before you can speak into their lives. But there's a boundary. If the level of difficulty is greater than an offense, then you, that calls for a different response. Look at Proverbs 16, verse 32. It says, Better a patient man than a warrior, a man who controls his temper, than one who takes a city. Some people are more than irritating. They damage you through being difficult and angry at points. And they will go to war against you if you let them. They'll speak behind your back. They'll do all sorts of damage to you. And with this type of person, if you just overlook them and only choose patience and only overlook it, they'll gladly run you over in life. And so you can't just put up with this kind of a difficult person. You actually need to do this second thing, and sometimes this is the case. You need to put up a boundary. And there's different types of boundaries. Sometimes you put up with it, sometimes you put up a boundary, and you set a limit. And a boundary line helps protect. In ancient times, in ancient warfare, in Bible times, there were two critical components for warfare. There was the warrior, and there was the wall. The wall around an ancient city, the fortified wall, that, or the fortified city with a wall around it. And in relational war, when we go to war with people, the two critical components are this... Their patience and their self-control. Patience is like that warrior and self-control is like that wall around the city. Self-control is really the wall of a fortified city. So look at Proverbs 25, verse 28. Like a city whose walls are broken down is a man who lacks this. A man who lacks self-control. Self-control is like that wall that brings protection. Self-control, it sets the boundaries of your behavior as well as the the behavior you're going to allow from other people in your life. Without a boundary, uh, you'll open yourself up to assault. Either from personal temptation, if you don't have a, a self-control boundary, you'll be tempted, you'll cave. The wall also can protect others from personally attacking you. And so walls were built around ancient cities to protect the valuable people that lived on the inside of the wall. Or to protect the valuable uh, you know, the, the, the property or the possessions of people, the things of real value are inside of the wall. So a relational ba- boundary is simply saying, I won't allow others to abuse me. That's what it's saying. Because as a person, you're valuable. When you say that, you're just saying, I- I'm valuable. It's not discarding the relationship in the trash like anger does, but it's setting a boundary. and saying, no, this is, this is a boundary. So it's simply removing yourself from the situation when when the difficult person begins to attack you. And if the abuse gets physical, uh, then, again, you, need, you, need, you do need to get out of that situation. You need to get out of that relationship line. And you need to ask God, God, what do I do now? I'm not saying you discard the relationship. But what I am saying is you don't need to put up with the abuse. Clearly, you need to get out of that line. And you need to ask God, God, what do I do now? What would please you next? What would be my next course of action? Whether it's how to begin to work on this relationship and get it to a healthy place to be able to rebuild that. But go to God with that. That's the exception on the difficult person line. But a lot of times we find ourselves in a situation where we're working with difficult people and we need a lot of patience. We need to choose patience. Now this one last line that you can't cut past, it is the wisdom line. The wisdom line Really, wisdom has been the theme of this message series. The wise people are those that know God's ways and they live out God's ways. They're wise. But getting wisdom takes time. You stand in that line for a long time. In Proverbs 8, we see wisdom is presented as a woman calling out and inviting people to listen to her. Look at Proverbs 8, verse 34. Blessed is the man who listens to me, she says, watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. How many times? Well,. Watching daily at my door, she says, "You got to keep, you got to stay in that line for how long?" Well, waiting at my doorway, you're waiting a long time to get wisdom. How long do you wait? As long as it takes for wisdom to answer the door. You wait. Well, why does wisdom take so long to develop? It's because God has woven wisdom into the very fabric of the way that the whole universe works. It's like gravity. You can, you can't see gravity, but it affects everything that we do. And so wisdom is the moral law of the universe that really does affect everything and no one can really escape it. So if you make a wise decision, you're really tapping into the wisdom of God and your life tends to go better because of it. But if you make foolish decisions, you're you're going against the fabric of the way that God has made life to work and so things in your life tend to go poorly. But wisdom is not just gaining a set of facts about life it's a skill that you learn you possess wisdom not when you just learn more and more of God's ways but when you learn his ways and then you put it into practice in real life you learn to operate in those in those ways you learn those skills wisdom is like a skill it takes time and practice to develop wisdom a few weeks ago I challenged you to read uh, in, in our first message in this series Read the Bible every day. Get into the Scripture for yourself every day. And I challenge you to, to read a chapter of Proverbs every day. Maybe as a starting point. If you've not been a person that reads the Bible, then start in the book of Proverbs. But then work your way through the Bible. Get, get through it. Spend some time reading it and then praying about it. And I don't know how many of you are doing that, who daily take time to get into God's Word and apply it to your life. But this is so important. But if you're like most people in life, you find it challenging to be consistent in reading the Bible. Why? It's because we're such busy people. There's so much going on in life. But wisdom is a long line that you stand in. And, and you look to God as you open up His Word. But we've got all sorts of other important things going on in our life, things that are screaming for our attention. And so oftentimes we step out of the wisdom line, and we step away from it, or we never ever get started. So I just encourage you to... Get in that wisdom line. Start reading God's Word for yourself. Start reading His Word. Start praying over what He's saying in His Word and asking God to help you apply. Ask Him for insight and begin to build your life on God's truths and His wisdom. So this week we've looked at the life hack of patience. It's In these different areas, these are lines that, for the most part, we just wait in these lines. We'll wait on God to see what He's going to do. Next week I want to, Wrap this series up, and we're going to look at we're going to look over in the New Testament at the ultimate life hack. And so, I hope you'll come back for that. I hope you'll invite someone with you, especially if they're not part of a church here locally. Maybe bring a guest with you, someone who's exploring Christianity. So, here's some next steps to consider on the back of that listening guide. The first one is identify the line where I need to choose patience. Which of these three lines, maybe, is Ringing in your mind is the area to give attention, that you need to stay in that line and wait. I don't know which one it is, but which of these does God seem to be speaking to you personally about? Second, pray for blank. This is if God's highlighting something in your mind. Maybe God has brought something specific in this message to you. And you just need to go back and and spend some extended time praying over that area. I would just encourage you to write that down there for yourself so you can go back to that and revisit the idea later. And then finally, uh, would you invite someone next week? This is a place for you just to put a reminder for yourself. Maybe put a reminder on your phone and and pray this week as you prepare to invite that individual. So uh, let's let's pray together as we wrap up. Father, thank you for this time, and we thank you for your word and the truth and the hope and the clarity that you give through your word. It cuts through all of life, makes sense out of the challenges, and makes sense out of the confusion. gives us uh, a sense of purpose and meaning on a much greater level than we can see here now. So Father, thank you for these things. I pray you give us the strength to apply uh, the specific points of application you brought to our minds this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you've been encouraged by the message and equipped to move forward in obedience to God's word. Join us again next week for another Orange Crest Community Church Podcast.